Business Rap of the Day. Fourteen minutes it is uh, before eight PM, and I'm joined on the line now by Zwelakem Guni Kwabe. Good evening to you, and compliments of the new year, my brother. Compliments of the season to you, uh, Aya, and uh, to your listeners. Uh, let's maybe start off, uh, I guess, with, with something that uh, maybe we didn't plan to discuss, but it's something I was just talking about a few seconds ago, which is uh, this. I guess potential uh, review or review that is underway by uh, the uh, trade uh, authorities in the United States and all of this triggered by our copyright amendment bill. Um, have you had a chance to look at that? And more importantly, I guess, what impact do we think this is going to have on some of the sectors that enjoy preferential access into the U.S. market? Look, I haven't, but what I can say is that I mean, the, the U.S. is on a mission to basically review its relationships with many countries, not only South Africa, and I think uh, we're going to see some form of uh, effort to try and uh, get into some deals, basically to try and uh, use something like that as a bargaining chip uh, to gain access to to a certain market. For example, they've now forced China to buy certain products from them uh, over a certain period of time. It's just basically securing uh, demand for their uh, products, but they're basically using the the existing agreements and reviewing them so that they can get uh, more uh, bargaining power. Mm, mm. And uh, I guess, you know, it, it, it does, you know, uh, put into focus, I mean, some of the other instances where the U.S. has used intellectual property as a basis uh, uh, to be able, I guess, to wean off or even bargain uh, for much uh, uh, better trade policies. Indeed. I mean, I mean what we saw in China, uh, <laughs> they, they used, uh, at one stage, they said, China is a currency manipulator. Then they turned around and said the the Chinese companies are still intellectual property. Mm. And uh, they basically uh, used those things to basically block the Chinese companies from uh, doing business in the the U.S. And uh, in return, they've now managed to secure themselves. Some of the industries that were under pressure in the U.S. might actually get some support from the foreign companies that are buying their products as a trade-off for for, uh, selling certain products in the U.S. Mm, mm, Okay. Let's come back home now. Uh, The uh, uh, Monetary Policy Committee of the Central Bank uh, deciding to cut interest rates here. Now, uh, I did say earlier on... Kwabe, uh, that I, I I didn't anticipate this one. I mean, I, I certainly thought that they would have kept rates uh, constant here, least of all in the context of uh, some of the uncertainty around the pricing in the next financial year of, uh, you know, with the uh, ESCOM tariffs and uh, moreover, all of the uncertainty that we're seeing in the Middle East that might have an impact on global oil supply. Look, I, I think I also didn't anticipate it, but I think it's a, it's a decision that... Uh, kind of highlights that they've become a bit more confident in terms of the outlook for inflation. And I think the two drivers to that uh, uh, confidence is firstly that uh, consumption is relatively weak uh, and it's unlikely to create a a demand push uh, inflation in the economy. And the second thing is that the currency has kind of... uh, uh, stabilized. I mean, we, we at one stage we were going towards uh, 16 rand to the dollar, and we've since pulled back to around 14. It's not a great uh, level, but I think uh, it gives them some headroom to basically uh, uh, 
anchor the expectations around the uh, the the midpoint of the inflation target. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, when you take a look at this, I mean, is this tickets for uh, any rate rise for 2020? Uh, uh, if it is, I mean, it probably hasn't come at the best time because no one uh, is even contemplating going out on a shopping spree in response to this particular 25 basis point cut. No, definitely. But what it might do is it might help the marginal lenders, uh, particularly the, the businesses, to, to be able to maybe uh, support the economy and take some of the uh, projects that they, they they plan to undertake or delay for the reasons that the rates were high. But also it would mean that um, uh, in 2020, the, the expectation of the Reserve Bank is that the economy is so weak that uh, it's unlikely to to lead to any rate hike. So I would agree with you that this might be a, a leading indicator that we, we might not see a, any rate hikes in 2020. Of course, if uh, oil price shoots up and uh, there is huge turmoil in uh, global markets that uh, impact on the rent, I think that could basically push the, 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 the or change the situation by, by pushing inflation up and they might need to react. And I think mm-hmm. central banks are generally uh, good at... Uh, uh, responding fairly promptly to issues. Okay. Uh, Mguni, I want us to uh, pause here for a second uh, Baba, and uh, take a brief break. But when we come back, uh, let's take a look at what's happening now at Telcom. And it seems uh, the uh, retrenchments uh, are set uh, to raise the anger here of some of the trade unions. And uh, we'll also take a look at the rally there of Palladium. It's our business wrap here on Metro FM Talk. Business, business wrap of the day. On Metro FM Talk with Ayabonga Kawe, Metro FM Talk. It's six minutes before 8 p.m. You tuned in to Metro FM Talk with myself, Ayabonga Kawe, and we're taking a look at the wrap of the top business stories on this uh, Thursday. And joining me uh, to help us do this is Zwelake Mguni, Chief Investment Officer at Benguela Global Fund Managers. Now, uh, Kwabe, what's happening at Telcom? It seems uh, looming retrenchments here in the horizon. And uh, the Communication Workers Union has said, hey, they want better clarity here. And uh, it's uh, clear here that Telcom might uh, be set to cut around 3,000 jobs. And this comes, uh, I guess, uh, straight after, a few years ago, us seeing some voluntary surveillance packages there that uh, reduced the headcount somewhat. But it seems uh, on the part of Sipo Masego and his team that a bit more cutting is needed. Yeah, uh, I think first you want us to take a step back you know, and look at the, the, the big picture. I think uh, we are in an unfortunate environment where a number of companies are essentially looking at cost-cutting because the top line is not coming through. We are not having a very good uh, GDP growth uh, numbers. And uh, we think it's unfortunate that uh, there are retrenchments in the economy. But when one looks at the the telecom situation in particular, I mean, it looks like they've given uh, to the, the union uh, a notification of the Section 189 uh, uh, of the Labor Relations Act. In essence, what it says is that uh, the company intends to return people and that uh, it is basically uh, engaging with the labor unions to see if there are any alternatives that can be used to ameliorate that situation. So what from a telecom point of view, I think one can see that it's a continuation of a long trend that uh, uh, has been uh, happening at, at telecom in terms of uh, uh, staff uh, retention. So if you go back 10 years ago uh, to 2009, 
Telcom had uh, just under 96,000 employees. Uh, and at the end of uh, last year, uh, financial year, it was actually just under 15,300 employees. So I think that what has happened in the, in the past was uh, the stage one of the strategy was to cut uh, labor or, or the cost, particularly the labor cost, as the customers abandoned the fixed line uh, 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 communication yes. to move more towards to, to, to mobile. And you and I would have grown in an environment where uh, there were people, uh, the, the, the fixed line was a luxury. Today, almost everybody has a mobile phone. And mm. uh, e- even the fridges might have the mobile phone. Soon, and yeah, I yeah, think, yeah. <laughs> With the internet of things. <laughs> mm. And I think the second stage is now where telecom has, has been has losing far too much market share on the fixed line because of the mobile uh, transition, that they actually entered the mobile market uh, themselves. Mm. And the mobile market is competitive. And what it meant was that they don't need as many workers to actually maintain the network. So uh, if you think about the fixed line, it's a one-to-one relationship. So one line broken, Mm. one person goes to go fix that. If you think about the mobile network, on the other hand, You've got a base station that can support uh, a lot of people in an area, and uh, it can still be maintained by one or two people. So the efficiency is uh, uh, quite high. And when one looks at the situation Telecom finds itself in, is firstly, they've increased the level of debt while trying to build this uh, mobile network, mm. and their profitability has hardly uh, moved. I mean, in the last three, four, five years, They've been around $3 billion going above and uh, below at any given point in time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've just done a rough calculation to see how, how what uh, the impact would be of this uh, 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 retrenchment. Looks like they could get in an extra $2 billion in, uh, in uh, profit in, in, in terms of... Uh, uh, coming from those cost savings. So now, so I, mean, I mean, here's the other question for me. If you look at some of the divisions here that have been announced to, uh, and that are set to be getting the chop, yeah, I'm thinking of the OpenServe and even the consumer division. OpenServe, is, isn't that the business that does last mile, uh, you know, a fiber, uh, sort of they're the guys who dig up all of the uh, holes and sort of put in fiber and the like. Uh, why would the cut happen there if indeed the strategy is really uh, to make as much revenue as you can on the data segment? I think that that part of the business is essentially not as uh, high maintenance as you'd find where uh, you are on the, uh, the, the 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 last mile. So if you look at the backhaul component where they put fiber mm. and they've come to the last mile and put the, the the fiber as well, I think I think because of fiber cap- capacity, you don't have a lot of uh, maintenance uh, that you need. Uh, in that area, and and I think uh, they've replaced the copper wires and with, with the fiber, uh, and I think gives them some scope to reduce the cost there in in terms of uh, uh, trying to get some efficiency going. Mm. And I think the other thing that we shouldn't underestimate, I think the management team has been buying shares, I think around the the 60 rand mark, and the share price has uh, gone from 100 to 36. So I think they've been pinched to try and get the the business back uh, to high profitability and, and push the share price up again. Yeah, yeah. Just uh, before I let you go, Kwabe, uh, and it's a real pity we can't get to that, uh, you know, saucy RMB story, but maybe we can pick it up uh, uh, early next week. 
The Palladium price seems to be shooting the lights out now, and uh, I checked the price, haven't done so in a very long time, and uh, I was certainly shocked uh, to see what I saw earlier on today. Uh, what's driving this rally? Look, I think, I think there are three things that have uh, come together to basically support the, the Palladium price. I think we've seen uh, for 2019, it's up 54%. Since the beginning of this year, it's up 17%. And the three factors are, one is the... I think the poor power situation in South Africa creates uncertainty around the ability of the uh, platinum mines in South Africa to, to continue providing supply. We are one of the two major suppliers of the PGMs in, in the world. Uh, it's South Africa and Russia. Mm. And uh, so, so the power situation creates some uncertainty. And then we also saw the Russian situation where cabinet resigned uh, because uh, Putin wants to change policies, and I think that creates uncertainty as to what are the policies going to be around the mining sector. And this happens at the time when we've had the emission scandals uh, last year where the, the motor vehicle manufacturers had actually cheated in terms of the, 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 the amount of loadings of uh, palladium to reduce their emissions. And, and, and I think we are seeing more loadings in that area, and that's a longer-term trend as uh, uh, stricter emissions take place. But the three factors, so the, the emissions and the SA power situation and the changes in the Russian uh, uh, government, I think are creating a very uh, uncertain environment for supply. And I think people are stockpiling some mm. of the uh, palladium to be able to hopefully sell it at a higher price later. Okay. Kwabe. We'll have to leave it there, my brother, and we'll certainly be watching uh, the prices of those PGMs rather closely here, uh, just because of how strategic we are as a global supplier to that. Uh, but uh, let's leave it there. Pleasure catching up with you, and uh, wish you all the best uh, for 2020. Uh, that there's Zuela Kemguni, Chief Investment Officer and a co-founder at Benguela Global Fund Managers.